as people, we are frequently overwhelmed. We're people who are frequently overwhelmed. I know as a parent of young kids, trying to get kids out of the door on a Sunday morning can seem like a pretty overwhelming endeavor. <laughs> we know that as people who work for and have employers and things like that, oftentimes piles of paperwork find their way to our desk at 3 p.m. on a Friday. We are people who are made for relationships, and so we have relationships with our family, and we understand that sometimes, while those relationships in some instances go well, sometimes they slip into chaos, and we feel overwhelmed by these relationships. We understand that we have a spouse, or we have people that we need to work together with, and when we sit down and we look at the calendar, it's difficult to balance things and come up with a time to get, it feels like, anything done. The resurrection of Christ, and as we come to Resurrection Sunday to celebrate Resurrection Sunday this morning, we understand that this is about an overwhelming. We understand that the resurrection of Jesus is a proclamation of an overwhelming. And it contains good news for weary people who are feeling overwhelmed. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, Larry has some in his hands. Go ahead and put your hand in the air. Larry would be happy to bring you a copy. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, that is our gift to you this morning. You can keep that. If you need a new copy of God's Word, you can also have that. We'd love for that to be our gift to you this morning. So we are in Colossians chapter 3. We're just going to look at the first four verses in this chapter. Let me read them for us. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, three things for us this morning. The first thing that we see here in this text is that Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. Second thing, Jesus overwhelmed the grave. That's why we're here. That's why we're celebrating this morning. Jesus overwhelmed the grave. And then the final thing this morning is that Jesus is your life. If you're on Christ this morning, Jesus is your life. So we'll take these in turn. Look at the text. Actually, we're going to spend the majority of the time just on that first clause, if then you have been raised with Christ. What does this imply for us? On Resurrection Sunday, what does this imply for us? If you have been raised with Christ, the first thing is that Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. Again, as people, it's not strange to feel overwhelmed. We feel overwhelmed all of the time. We are finite creatures that have a lot of things that are happening in our world. But Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. I found a lot of definitions for the word overwhelm. To overcome completely in mind or feeling. To, to overpower or overcome, especially with superior forces. To destroy or to crush. To cover or bury beneath a mass of something. As floodwaters, debris, or an avalanche. To submerge. To load, heap, treat, or address with an overpowering or an excessive amount of anything. I love that. An excessive amount of anything. To overthrow. So, look at what Paul says right out of the gate in Colossians 3. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ. 
that Paul is talking about the resurrection of Jesus, or he's at least implying it here for us. Exactly what we're celebrating today. But resurrection, being raised, implies something else. It implies death. It implies death. What do we know about death? Well, again, just a couple of days ago, on Good Friday, we celebrated the death of Christ. And what did that bring about? It brought about our justification. But the reality is, what about, what it, why is death here? Why is death a reality for us? And death, friends, is a result of sin and sinfulness. If we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the first three chapters, we see in Genesis 3 that sin entered the world through Adam. And God says that Adam will then, at the end, at the end of his life, he will return to dust from which he came. Death enters the world then at that moment. This is the death that resulted because of sin. And Paul then, in Romans 5.12, would write this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that one man being Adam, and death through sin, and so, there, and, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Friends, we are on the same boat this morning. We have sinned, and therefore we are separated from God, and we deserve, we rightly deserve death. We don't just die because of the circle of life. Our kids were watching The Lion King yesterday. We don't just die because it's the circle of life. Death is not an intended consequence of, of our world. It is one that is brought about through direct disobedience to the commands of God. And sin is simply that. It's disobedience to what God commanded for Adam and Eve. It was not to take the fruit and eat it. And yet they disobeyed, and through Adam's sin, we all, the many, became sinners. So we all have disobeyed what God commands us. So when Paul says then in Colossians 3.1, if then you have been raised with Christ, he is reminding us that Jesus died. And why did Jesus have to die? The Bible tells us that Jesus was perfect. He was without sin. He was sinless. He obeyed God perfectly. He lived perfectly. Therefore, Jesus died for us. You see, God is a just God. Don't get this wrong, friends. God is a just God and cannot tolerate sin. God cannot tolerate sin. God could not ignore your disobedience. And He did not ignore your disobedience. Or my disobedience. Or the disobedience of anyone. God has never ignored anyone's disobedience to what He commands. We do get this wrong. We think that God just turns a blind eye to our sin. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Rather... God's wrath, His anger that is built up against that sin is poured out. It's poured out. Paul writes in Romans 1.18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Your sin is that ungodliness. Your sin is that unrighteousness. And because of your sin and sinfulness, God's wrath, if you are outside of Christ, God's wrath is against you. But Jesus said, Jesus said through His perfect life and His death, Jesus said, on your behalf and on my behalf, Jesus said, charge that to my account. He said, I'm going to absorb the wrath. I'm going to take your sin upon me. And I'm going to absorb the wrath of God for you. Remember Isaiah 53.10? Yes, last week we read Isaiah 53.10. The prophet uh, uh, centuries before Jesus would even walk the earth said, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And so God overwhelmed Jesus with his wrath so that you don't have to be overwhelmed by his wrath. 
Not a drop of God's wrath. Friends, if you're in Christ, not a drop of God's wrath will fall on you. Not a drop. Well, you are completely covered in Christ. Jesus took it all. Jesus took it all on your behalf. And in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus was crucified, Matthew records this. He says, And going a little farther, he fell. Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He's like, this is nevertheless, not, your, or not, not, not as I will, but as you will. When we read that, what cup is Jesus talking about? Psalm 75, 8. Psalm 75, 8 says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to its dregs. This is the cup that Jesus is talking about. The cup of God's wrath. The cup is filled with God's wrath. That's the foaming wine. The wicked are the ones who drink the dregs. It means that the cup is all gone. There is no liquid left. The dregs are like that sediment or that stuff that sits on the bottom of your orange juice glass. Jesus drank that cup of God's wrath for us on our, on our behalf. And in Psalm 78, 5, the wicked who drink the dregs are the ones who drink the dregs of God's wrath. But Jesus stood in for us. Jesus stood in for us and drank those dregs. There is no wrath left in the cup for us. If you are in Christ, there is no wrath left in the cup for you. It was all poured out on Jesus. And so Jesus then, he was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. And this means that when you find yourself in the overwhelming stuff of life, when you find yourself in a position where your kids are losing it, or where there's a pile of paperwork on your desk, or where there are so many things piling up that you're not sure how you're just going to get through your day or the next 10 minutes. Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. When you find yourself in the overwhelming stuff of life, it doesn't have the ability to ultimately overwhelm you. Friends, the overwhelming stuff of life does not have the ability to ultimately overwhelm you. When the pressure at work feels like it's crushing you, when raising kids feels like it's crushing you, trying to balance things in your life feel like it's crushing you, it's no bigger than what Jesus did for you. It's not even close. A deluge of wrath was absorbed on your behalf by Christ Jesus. That's incredible news, friends. That is incredible news. If God's wrath was set against you and Jesus said, I'll take that, charge that to my account, that is incredible news for us this morning. And that is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that death that came about as a result of sin was, was defeated by Christ Jesus. John the Baptist in John chapter 1 verse 29 would proclaim, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. Secondly then, Jesus overwhelmed the grave. He took the wrath of God upon himself. He was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be. But then the grave where he was laid could not hold him. The wrath of God that would have overwhelmed us for all of eternity was absorbed by Christ on the cross. But the grave, again, could not hold him. He was raised on the third day. And the funny part about this, <laughs> the funny part about this is when Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, what he does is he mocks death. He tells it how stupid it is. Listen. He calls it out kind of like a professional wrestler. 
Right? He's gonna Jesus, yeah, no, we won't talk about professional wrestling moves. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. He says, oh, death. He's talking to death. He's making fun of it. He says, oh, death. We sang it a little while ago. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks to be, be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's overwhelming victory. Here we have so many categories for this. We have so many categories. We have this beautiful picture in any kind of athletic competition where you see one team just obliterate another team. It's kind of fun to watch, right? Unless it's your team. But this is what happens. And I don't know if like in first century Palestine when there was some kind of comp competition if someone stood up and said, oh, there is your sting opposing team. But this is kind of what Paul is saying. I don't know how that would translate into our society. But Paul calls it out and he mocks it. He mocks death because it's lost. He says, if you're in Christ, you can say this right along with Paul. Is your life mocking death? If you're in Christ, death has no hold on you. Is your life mocking death? Does your life live like there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Is your life an expression of that? Is your life lived in radical obedience to God no matter what it costs you? I'm not like talking about base jumping without a parachute. I'm talking about giving up everything to follow Jesus. In, okay, so in one quantity or another, in one quantity or another, we've kind of just been given three things in this world. We've been given time, we've been given treasure, we've been given talent. Maybe you've heard that before. Three T's, easy to remember. Time, treasure, talent. Because everything that we have can be summed up and put into those three categories. So the way that we, we use our time and our treasure and our talent, we must ask ourselves, the way that we wield those things, the way that we, the way that we use those things that have been given to us, when we use those things, do those things mock death? Here's what I mean. Where do my hours go? Where do my hours go throughout the week? Where does my money go? Where does our best efforts go? Are they serving me? Are they serving self? Or are they serving others? Are they being used to love God? When it's the latter, and they're used to serve others, and when they're used to love God, we mock death. Because no matter what we have, nothing can be taken from us here on this earth. Nothing can be taken from us. We live our lives and we mock death when we say, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus at all. The reality is, friends, that no enemy remains. Jesus defeated death. No enemy is left. No enemy is left. Easter Sunday is about mocking the grave. It's about mocking it. It's about taunting it. It's about calling it out. We say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death deserves to be ridiculed and lost. Death is a failure. It's pathetic. It's nothing. Jesus obliterated it. It's like an ant 
but a boulder, like a meteorite on the head of an unsuspecting dinosaur. It's like, it's like, no, stop, no, okay. It was reduced to nothing. Death was reduced to nothing. Jesus, friends, Jesus overcame the grave. Finally then, Jesus was overwhelmed so that you don't have to be, not only ultimately by death, but in the everyday stuff of life. Jesus overcame the grave, defeated sin and death, so that you can live a life that mocks death. Finally then, Jesus is your life. Look at the rest of the text this morning. Look at the rest of Colossians 3, 1 through 4. This is where we're going to go. We're just going to talk through this for a second. Jesus died and was raised, and that means no, that death has no hold on us, and that we are raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. Then what? Then what? Paul says to, right after that condition, if any of you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And he kind of says the same thing again in verse 2. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Kind of restates his thesis there. I'm convinced that Paul means one thing by this. When he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What are the things above? I'm convinced again. One thing that he's saying, he's saying, seek Christ. He's saying, seek Christ. Jesus, after he was raised, lived on earth here for a few weeks and then descended into heaven. He's actually physically there, ruling at the Father's right hand. This first century Palestinian man. Sitting there, ruling at the right hand of God. So Paul says, seek the things that are above, because he knows that the most important thing that's above is Christ himself. Set your mind there, he says. And then look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And again, not physically, but if you're in Christ, you've died to your old self. You've died to your old self, an old way of living that is consumed with self. And you've been raised again to walk in newness of life, to live lives set apart and pleasing to God. You don't, you don't, friends, hear me, you do not earn this or perform your way into it. You don't earn this or perform your way into it. You didn't make your best effort this morning. Getting here does not earn you salvation in Christ Jesus. Your best effort to see a lot more ties this morning, to put on a tie, is not earning for you salvation in Christ Jesus. That comes as a free gift, exclusively as a free gift. There is no way to earn it or perform your way into newness of life. God grants it to you by the power of His Spirit. Being set apart to live a life pleasing to God is God's work through Christ on your behalf. So you died, you died, but you have been raised with Christ, and your life is Christ. That's what he says. He says, for you have died and your life is in with Christ in God, and then verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So you've died, you've been raised with Christ, and your life is with Christ, and it's hidden there, he says. When Christ who is your life appears, and you will appear with him in glory, 
Your life is hidden in verse 3, the second half of verse 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So Paul says, Paul says this to assure us. Paul says this to give us an idea of where our life is tied up. If our life is with Christ, even though Satan would accuse us, sin would pursue us, and death would try to snatch us, it can't. Our life is hidden with Christ because our life is Christ. It can't happen because it's with the king of the universe. He has sealed our life up, and it is safe. And then verse 4, our life will be revealed as we will be shown to be in Christ. Why? Because Christ, again, is our life. So what does Paul mean by that? He means that we have union with Christ. That when we turn from our sin and trust Christ, we are completely wrapped up in Him. We are completely wrapped up in Him. We are completely covered in Christ. Everything He has promised, and is, everything that Christ has promised, is promised to us. To you, friends, if you're in Christ, everything that is Christ is also promised to you. Life everlasting and perfect relationship with the Heavenly Father. Reign over all of creation, sin and death as our footstool. Everything that is promised to Christ is also promised to you. Our life in Christ is Christ. Friends, it cannot be taken from you. Maybe, maybe this morning you're buried in guilt over the way that you've treated someone or you feel like you've really messed up your life or the life of another person. Or maybe you just wish that you could be a better husband or wife or daughter or son. Maybe you wish that you could be a better employer, a better employee. Maybe you wish that you could be a better dad or a mom. Maybe you just wish that, or maybe you just see that there is so much of a hole that you've dug yourself in in life. You're buried at work or at home or just in interpersonal relationships. Maybe, maybe it's something like addiction that has plagued you, and you just can't shake it. It just keeps coming back. You're buried in it. You're overwhelmed by it. It's preventing you from seemingly moving forward in your life. Repent of your sin and trust Jesus. That's the call in that instance. Repent of your sin and trust Jesus. If you're in Christ, your life is hidden with him because your life is him. You can be completely assured that you belong to him and that you are joined with him in perfect union. That his glorious inheritance is your glorious inheritance. So Jesus is your life. So in conclusion then, in conclusion, sure, sure, we feel overwhelmed from time to time. Even the majority of the time, that's your life. You feel overwhelmed by something, some circumstance, something that's going on in your world. but you ultimately won't be if you're in Christ. And there's only one way to become a Christian, to be joined together with Christ, to have union with Christ, to be a follower of Jesus. It's not by doing good things. It's not by being kind and working hard. It's not by performing well at work or in the home. It's not by overcoming any temporary problem here on earth. The way to become a Christian is to admit that you have a sin problem, Admit that you can't do anything about it. And to realize and admit and confess that Jesus dealt with your sin completely on the cross. And then that death that came as a result of your sin, that death that you are in, has been defeated. It's been overwhelmed by Jesus. Jesus overwhelmed the grave on your behalf. 
And that in him, if you are in him, if you admit it and confess these things, that you're in him, you will not be overwhelmed because he was overwhelmed in your place. And he was not overwhelmed ultimately again, but he himself overwhelmed the grave. Friends, death has no claim on you if you're in Christ. You're joined with him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is wrapped up there. There is nothing anyone on this earth can do to you. There is no circumstance or situation that can happen in your day-to-day that can change the fact that your life is hidden with Christ in God because Jesus overwhelmed the grave. You are joined with Christ. If you are in Christ, you are joined with Christ. And Jesus is your life. Let's pray.